Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey runners, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to hear from Frankie Ruiz, the founder of the Miami Marathon. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond all right hello runners and welcome to our special edition our bonus episode that we have we still have our regular episodes every monday but we decided to throw in one extra for an amazing event that is happening in february february 6th of 2022 which is the miami marathon my name is Letty, and I usually do this podcast with my husband, Ryan, and we talk all things running. We have motivational stories that we share with you, stories that inspire, and then we also have training information, all sorts of stuff, nutrition, basically just to help you to become the best runner that you can be, which obviously means also the happiest runner. So in collaboration with the nice people from the Miami Marathon, we've decided to do an episode or a couple episodes of a podcast all about the Miami Marathon. They have decided to provide us with two entries to their amazing event, which is going to come up again on February 6th. So you will hear all about that in this episode. If you're interested in running the Miami Marathon or half marathon, there is currently a wait list and I will link that in the descriptions. So Without any further ado, I'm now going to play my conversation with the founder of the Miami Rarathon, Frankie Ruiz. All right, so I'm here with Frankie Ruiz. Frankie, so thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> yeah, of course. So let's talk about you a little bit before we hop into the interview. You basically invented the Miami Marathon. So can you start by telling us about yourself and how all this came about? Sure. I mean, that's the first time somebody says invented, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish I can I can uh, lay claim to inventing marathoning and so forth in, in Miami. It actually it's been it was around in the seventies and eighties, but it was called the Orange Bowl Marathon. So as as we know it now as the Miami Marathon, yes, I guess I am one of the um, co-founders. As uh, I had a couple partners that helped me start it, but back in 2003, we uh, realized that Miami was missing that big city marathon, um, and uh, it had gone several years without without having its own. So um, we launched in 20 uh, in 2003 with about 3,000 or so runners and. Um, this upcoming year will be celebrating 20 years. So uh, a lot has happened in between, but it has, um, you know, it's certainly uh, been uh, a big part of, of, uh, of Miami. Yeah. Congratulations. That's a, that's a, you know, I know there goes a lot into planning races and we'll elaborate on that a little bit later, but can we talk about the specifics of this race a little bit, um, perhaps course profile, elevation, size, 
weather and, you know, in other words, how hard or difficult is this marathon? Yeah. So, um, we, uh, we refer to it as a, as the lifetime Miami marathon, but truth be told, it's, it's got a half marathon that is larger than the marathon. So, uh, the, the, I'd say 65 to 70% of the total field, uh, does the, um, uh, half marathon. Uh, but here's the, the cool part about it. It starts together with the marathon and it ends together with the marathon. So if you're a marathon runner, you'll end together, uh, with, half marathoners and vice versa. So, um, that's, uh, you know, makes for, for a great atmosphere and it, and it certainly in South Florida, um, adds volume or I should say crowd size. So that's a, that's a good thing in terms of, of making it feel like one of your big city, uh, marathons, but it, um, it, it also has a, a great benefit in that if you were registered for the marathon, you could actually turn off and do just a half if, if that day you weren't feeling it. So, um, that a lot, a lot of folks like to, to have that sort of in their back pocket in case it's not the best day. Um, so we're, we're, we're fortunate in that we can offer that convenience, but as far as like the level of difficulty, um, you know, if, if anybody's familiar with Miami, uh, we don't have a whole lot of elevation. So our elevation is, um, you know, with, with a few bridges, and, uh, and that's, a, that's basically it, but it's a looped course. It's got, um, the second half, uh, a whole lot of, uh, of shade. So those that are concerned for, um, you know, for the South Florida heat, uh, you get a, a little relief from that in, in, in those, um, in those last few miles, uh, the, the race does start at 6 AM in the morning. So, um, you, you'll run the, the non-shaded parts, uh, it at, at sunrise. So it's not as, um, you know, as, as, as warm. Uh, however, I will say though, February is a, a cooler month down here. Some folks don't realize that we do have uh, a little bit of a, of a winter and it happens to, to last January, February, and March be about January, February, March in, in, in duration. So the race itself, I think if you're looking to do something fast and, and flat, it certainly, um, checks off those boxes. All right. Yeah. And um, I mean, of course we have to show that we're all disciplined with our training because it sounds like we're running right by the finish line of the half marathon when continuing the full marathon. Yeah. Yeah. We, we won't, we, we've moved you a little further away than, than in years past, just because it, it was just too much of a tease. And, and I think, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was a mental, you know, uh, obstacle for folks and they can hear the, the, uh, the speakers and they can hear the, the, the excitement at the finish line. So we've moved it out. Uh, a few, a few, um, uh, more, uh, meters out. So I think you're, if you had to draw a straight line from that turnoff, you're probably, I don't know, about 500 meters away from the finish line. So you qu can't quite see it. So, um, yeah, there'll be quite a few people turning left and, uh, you'll be, you'll be continuing sort of straight. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's good to know that you do have that option if you sign up for the full and if you just feel like you cannot handle the humidity, if that's something that you're not used to, that you at least have the option to have a half marathon course under your belt that day. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's, it's also, it's also a safety thing as well. I think it's made our race a little safer in that, you know, people aren't exerting themselves if that's just not their day or it just, it, it turned out to be a slightly warmer day than they maybe had trained for. Um, typically has, has been, um, relatively mild. We haven't had an extreme heat day like they may have had in Chicago a few years back or anything like that. It's always been, 
I shouldn't say always, but, but most of which is the av low averages in the low 60s for your start. And then um, it creeps up into the to the mid 70s uh, at some point, um, you know, depends on how long you're out there. Uh, and uh, and then we've had some rain. We've had we've had it all. We've even had we had uh, weather one year in the uh, in the low 40s. So Miami can get cold. Um, so this year I've ordered cold weather, so uh, <laughs> we should be good. Yeah, I hope that um, comes true. And if not, then, you know, it can still be a great race day for, for a lot of us. So what do you feel like as a founder of this race sets the Miami Marathon apart from other races? Or in other words, what have you guys tried to do with this to make it a better experience for the runners? Um, you know, since since the beginning, we uh, we set out to make sure that we gave Miami um, to the runners. So. Uh, if you were coming from out of town, you wanted to experience Miami. And if you were from here, uh, you wanted to feel like you were running through, um, you know, your hometown. So uh, obviously the sounds, the the food, the the, the um, uh, course layout and so forth all um, embody what Miami is all about. So I think the race includes some of the DNA that makes Miami special. Uh, and what has come with that is, is, uh, when I'm asked that question is what is the race is, is Miami. So the diversity of Miami is shown in the race. You have about 60% of the, the runners speak Spanish. Um, in fact, I, I think that number may, may be a little bit off, but it, it, it certainly has this flair of, of being an international race. Um, I've been to many races around the world and, um, outside of maybe New York um, and, and a, a handful, obviously, of the majors, there, there really is no, uh, no other race that makes it feel like you're in um, this very welcoming environment where your language is probably only two or three runners away. Um, and in, in the case of Miami, it's obviously predominantly Spanish, uh, where, um, where it might not be the case in some of the other international races. And, and I think we've become sort of the New York for Latin America. Uh, we got a huge contingency of Colombians and Mexicans and a uh, whole host of, uh, of Latin American countries. Ecuador is probably our fourth country because I know you've got, you had some, some Ecuadorian uh, roots um, as, um, as I uh, continue or as we continue to, to market down in Latin America, my goal is to, is to continue to make this race speak all, all languages. So that makes us pretty, pretty darn unique. Yeah, and I have to agree with that just on a side note, because I think I've told you off the air that I have participated in at least the half marathon of this and the feel to this race, the vibe was amazing. It was very cultured. Um, there was lots of music, you know, there was lots of Latino music, Mark Anthony, I remember hearing. And then even at the expo, there was a vendor that was selling sleeves of different country flags. And of course I purchased the German and the Ecuadorian one. <laughs> Ecuadorian. And it was just really nice. And including of course the crowd, crowd support. I've never seen as many flags on the sidelines and people cheering you in and on. And it was, um, pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something I, that um, I have to give a lot of credit to um, I, it was a, a, an airline executive that uh, was part of uh, a sponsorship deal that we had early, early on in the, the first few years of the Miami marathon that he, um, you know, kind of ingrained in my, in my head uh, after, after a few conversations, he said, hey, listen, if, if you want Miami to be this, this great race that, 
that is emulating some of the other great races, you know, the Londons and the New Yorks of this world. Um, you've got, you've got to give the people that Miami, um, you know, flair, which includes the culture, includes the, the loud music, it includes the flags. And, and, and we took note of that and we've deliberately done that year after year, um, making sure that, that, um, we're, we're not giving them, you know, a race in a box that it, instead it's a, it's a, it's a race that really, um, reflects where you're running. Um, and, and I tell people, I'm like, I always want the Miami marathon to be a race you can't pick up and take somewhere else. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, it says a lot about the, the spectators says a lot about the, the runners that we've had supporting us through the years. And it certainly says a lot about, about the city. Um, the city has evolved quite a bit and it's, it's not the, the vacation town. It was maybe 25 years ago. It's a, uh, you know, it's a place that has a lot to offer. Yes. And I think you have achieved that, that it's a race that you really couldn't put anywhere else just because you can't take the people with you. So that, that's really cool. And since you've already started talking a little bit about the planning and logistics, how did the year of the pandemic 2020, I guess it's still not over because it's 2021, we had a Delta. How did that set you back? And um, what's going on with 2022? So um, we were able to get off our 2020 edition because we were right before the sort of pandemic, um, you know, uh, broke out. Um, 2020 happened. 2021 didn't happen because we're we're obviously in February. So um, the next edition is 2022. Um, the uh, we went we went virtual uh, and and uh, we gave everybody virtual entry for free, included a beautiful medal. We had uh, a great story behind that medal, and it was just a. Uh, a whole lot, a whole lot of um, fun to see everyone doing their their races around the the uh, the world, for that matter. Um, and uh, and we kind of stayed in touch with the runners. We said, "Hey, look, we're 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 going to be back. We're going to be back as as I think many races did." And um, we went ahead and um, uh, came to uh, the uh, conclusion we could pull this thing off uh, of, of early summer. Um, for 2022, early summer, that decision was made. We opened registration and things started to ramp up really quickly. Um, you know, we checked in with the city and uh, we kind of came to, to terms that we would do uh, a slightly reduced field for both, not just runner experience, but, um, but for COVID concerns and so forth. So we have um, a 15,000 runner um, or, or a registering cap and uh, we reached cap uh we're we're now open with a with a wait list but um but and we can go into that later but you you asked how we've changed our, our ways a bit that's one way we, we want the, the start line which used to be pretty darn crowded we're, we want the start line experience to be a little better so by reducing it by about 30 percent we would have normally seen a 20,000 plus uh event uh especially on our 20th anniversary it probably would have been way more than that uh, we decided that uh, we'd reduce the number a bit um, for, for COVID concerns. Uh, besides that, um, we're, we're also trying to uh, redesign our, our water stations a bit, make them a little less crowded and a little less congested with double-sided offerings, um, more, more volunteer groups so we can be a little more spread out. Um, and, uh, and, and again, give this, this, this feeling that it's just uh, you, you just have a little more room uh, to, to, to spread out as a, as a runner, uh, besides that, obviously all the sanitation and, and all the, all the, um, uh, clean cleanliness over at, at our new expo location, which we'll talk about in a second and so forth to allow folks to just socially distance and, and, and make for a, a, 
overall better experience. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, so you mentioned, let's hop into that. You mentioned that 2022 is sold out at a cap of 15,000. What is the wait list about? When does it open? And then also you mentioned a new expo location. Yep. So um, the wait list itself was something we didn't necessarily plan um, for and that uh, registrations just took off about a month ago. It was, it was uh, a little surprising for us. I think it just happened to, to be when the, the majors really started to hit the airwaves and you just got this excitement that running was back. So we started to see registrations at five, 600 people at a time. So we went ahead and decided that, okay, well, let's open up a wait list. Uh, and, um, and this wait list will, will be by lottery. We will pull um, uh, whatever spots become available because we start to get cancellations. We start to, to, to have groups that no longer can fill their blocks and so forth. And we start to open up some spots. And, and when we do open registration again, um, it'll be to those folks that were on the wait list and were selected. They'll get an invite um, in, uh, in December and, uh, and you'll get an opportunity. We, we know for a fact there will be spots. We've already, um, you know, uh, sort of aggregated the, the, the spots and we're, we're getting more and opening up more as we, as we move along. Um, but uh, that wait list is free to get on it. And then you'll get, a, you'll get an email once we, um, once we select uh, indicating on how you, you can, um, or guiding you on how you, you can register. That's perfect. Okay. And I'll link um, the website to your event in our show notes. So if people want to go ahead and participate and try to get on the wait list, they can do that there. And sure. so now I'd like to move on and ask you a few questions that I've always wanted to ask a race director, starting with what is the most, what are you most nervous about on a race day? <laughs> I think this, well, in, in, in post COVID is making sure all the, all the supplies make it. Um, that's, that's definitely, uh, um, you know, a, a big, a big worry these days. Um, supply chain issues seem to be affecting everything, whether it's, it's the most, um, you know, taken for granted item, you know, like cups or something to metals, to shirts and so forth. So, um, that makes me nervous making sure we, we, uh, we have that uh, under control. Uh, for my particular race, I would say drawbridges are a big concern. Um, drawbridge tenders tend to have a mind of their own. Um, down in in Miami, we're 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 running through four drawbridges, and if any one of those tenders just decides to hit that button, um, you know, all hell breaks loose uh, in terms of the race. Right? You can't cross over. You get delayed. Um, luckily it, it hasn't been an issue, but it's always a concern. Um, you know, after 20 years, I still, I still wake up at night, um, you know, freaking out about it. Uh, so, so yeah, drawbridges are a problem in Miami. We have one train, but the train is, uh, a little, a little more certain in terms, in terms of schedule, but drawbridge tenders are just a, a different breed. And then on top of that, you do have malfunctions, right? It could go up, you know, at, in the morning and not come back down so that also makes us a little nervous uh, along the venetian causeway over the miami river um definitely those are those are my things <laughs> oh wow never thought about that one that would train that would turn your marathon into a triathlon real quickly <laughs> exactly exactly yeah because <laughs> you know those runners are going to want to finish no matter what <laughs> yep yep that is true all right. So, um, so then can you maybe mention one particular experience, the strangest experience that you've had at one of your events? 
strangest experience. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, I would say, I would say that, that it's probably banditing. Um, you know, I think, I think the, um, for those that, that don't know what bandits are, um, they're, they're folks that don't, um, don't pay for, um, for registration. And, um, this one year, uh, and they, and they still run the race. And this one year we decided that we were going to get these guys and girls on, on camera, uh, just cause we were kind of just fed up. So I just did it with my phone, something simple. I went on Facebook live and, um, I guess the strange part about it is, is the reaction of folks. Um, oh, my number fell off. The, the excuses, you know, the, the things that they would tell you and stuff uh, were, were uh, embarrassing for, for everybody, embarrassing for the running community, embarrassing for them that, that folks would do that. And, and we're talking, we stopped them at 26 miles. So about 400 meters from the finish line. And, um, and I think that was the strangest year. I mean, it got, it went, the video went viral and you had, uh, folks from all over, all over commenting and giving their opinion on whether it was right or wrong and so forth. And, um, and yeah, it, it kind of put, put me out there as this race director that was, you know, going to stand up for all the other races and, and, and not, not allow this to continue happening. So, uh, since then we have a, a team assembled to help us with banditing because it was getting a little out of hand. Um, and we don't know why it just, just one of those things that I think uh, took a life of its own. And, and, uh, and now we have teams that help us, including police officers, because we do have the permits and, and we do have the right to be on the road for folks that actually paid for entry. So um, to the bandits out there, I, I just encourage you guys, you know, you can run, run on your own somewhere, but you don't, you can't run on the course that day and take um, amenities and so forth and space in this case, now that COVID is, is a, is a, a bigger concern you know, uh, from, uh, the rest of the field. So yeah, I, that, and, and you, you can check out the video, but there were some strange responses and so forth and, and, and whatnot. I mean, a couple, couple folks that just took off running, you know, away from me into the crowd, but for the most part, we caught, we caught that year, probably I'd say 300 bandits, um, that, that year. Oh, wow. That's uh, a lot. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. when you say bandits, and I think it's also, I mean, now that the running community in this world is growing more and more, I feel like there was a lack of education. Also, what is considered banditing, um, you know, if you purchase a race bib from another person because that person is injured, that whole conflict of whether or not that is right, because you're basically going for a paid entry. Sure. But then, you know, for people that are not trying to run fast, if you are taking somebody else's name, you can still take away from somebody else's placing and to understand right. all that. And then now that we have the information, all the Facebook groups and everywhere else that you can't sell your bib, that is not okay. Um, those kind of things. I feel like that was also probably a lot of um, lack of education, sure. I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and believe it or not, it, it did move the industry a bit. It moved us a bit uh, into being more accommodating um for transfers and deferments and because there was a time that the industry was like no refunds no deferments no transfer of bibs nothing i mean if you bought your ticket you know that was it and when you look at other industries right i, I said use the word ticket on purpose you have concerts right like if you can't go to a concert you can actually sell your ticket to someone or or pass it on to someone and we realized that as race organizers that we had to change that so we've got a, a pretty generous 
um, policy when it comes to refunds and uh, deferments and um, transfers and so forth. Uh, so many words uh, related to to when a runner can't run or doesn't or isn't able to run. Um, and uh, and and yeah, so that was that was part of our education. And then we also realized, like you mentioned, that we had to kind of let folks know why it was that um, only paid runners needed to be out there. You know, it was for we ran out of medals one year because folks went through the finish line and poor volunteers just weren't able to, you know, pay attention to bib numbers and, and, and whatnot. But now, um, you know, since then that's, that's been something we've tightened up a bit on or a lot, I should say. Uh, but it, the, the runner didn't understand what they were really taking from, um, you know, they didn't see it as a stealing in their case. And in, in most cases it was like, we're running on public streets on, you know, sidewalks and roads and so forth. So I should be allowed to do it. And they didn't realize what they were do- what they were doing in the process, and not to mention all the safety related issues and stuff. When you have like, you know, someone that is wearing the wrong bib for someone, or you have someone trying to qualify for Boston, um, and they gave it to a faster runner, which is muling and so forth, as they as they call it. So all those things uh, definitely um, were part of the education process, and we continue to because there's so many new runners that are entering the space, and they don't even know that you know, the, the, what, a, what a, the word bib means. So you, you definitely are in, in, in the, you know, podcasts such as yours, I think uh, are important for folks to listen to and, and, and get a sense of what running all entails, racing entails, what marathoning entails. Um, you know, it's not rocket science, but it's definitely got its own, you know, nuances and jargon and so forth. Yeah, exactly. It's like having that running vocabulary. What is a tempo run? And why is it not okay <laughs> that if you've joined a running group on Facebook for the Berlin Marathon to ask if anyone is injured and you can buy their bib? Because that's, you know, that's just, we, I think we have evolved a lot. And hopefully with that um, comes the education and and people are sure. more stand up. Um, yeah. So um, any last tips for your runners to have a positive experience? The, the, the greatest tip Uh, I would say for someone in my coming to Miami is, is be ready for anything. Um, and as far as weather's concerned, uh, you know, take, take, take that. And I think runners, we get so obsessed over weather. Uh, and I think part of the reason we get so obsessed is that many of us just run, try to run in perfect conditions all the time. And so weather becomes the only subject we're concerned with that weekend. And, and we make it all about the weather. So forth. I'm a high school cross country coach. And, and one of the things we tell our guys is, you know, obviously, to always expect the unexpected when it comes to running cross country. Uh, in Florida, we don't have snow. So you can kind of check that one off or South Florida, we don't have snow. Um, and, uh, and, and, but you can expect possibly rain. You, so make sure you you've taken a, a run or a training run in the rain. Uh, you, you might expect uh, some cold weather. Make sure you take a run in cold weather. If you might expect a windy day, make sure you go run. I hear too many times folks always, kind of with their buddies and say, oh, I'm not going to go out today. Weather looks kind of, you know, off. That's the day you want to go out and run because race day, they're not going to hold back the race because it's, you know, not a perfect 51 degrees and clear skies and the wind is very low and so forth. So I would say that that tip is, is probably the best one for, for Miami. because I know a lot of folks are training through some harsh conditions in, uh, in the Northeast during that time of the year. There's folks, uh, you know, that live in South Florida that are training and they maybe race or sorry, maybe do their training runs at, at, at hours that aren't comparable to what you might be doing race day. So you got to definitely, um, 
you know, so try your best to simulate what you might get on race day. Perfect. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how can they, if they need to? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, so anything through, through Instagram or um, my name is Frankie Ruiz. They could probably find me through all sorts of things, whether it's LinkedIn, um, email or whatnot. Uh, if not, you can uh, visit our website. You can send uh, an email through the, the contact us uh, section and it eventually will make its way down to me. But I'm probably not the one you want to talk to. If it's something for registration, expo, or, or some other question about the race, you probably want to talk to somebody on my team. So send a message to, um, through, through contact us and, and we'll, uh, we'll get back to you. Thank you so much. That was some really good information. Thank you, Luddy. And I, I, uh, I hope to see you at that finish line. I know, I know you're, you're looking to do it. So hopefully, uh, I get, I get to be the one to put the medal on your, uh, on your neck. <laughs> Thank you. So you'll be there actually at the finish line participating at, with the volunteers. Oh yeah. I try, I try my best. I mean, it just hope, hopefully there's nothing crazy happening during that moment. But what I do is I usually, um, ride in the pace car, uh, get to the finish line and I start to basically, you know, walk back and forth up and down the finish line, fixing whatever needs to be fixed and, and greeting the runners. I, I always wait for the last runner um, you know, whether it's six, seven, eight hours later, I'll wait for them at the, at the finish line. So you might, might very well have me putting that medal on you. I'll be looking. If you're for wearing you. your sleeves, I'll be looking for your sleeves, right? The Ecuadorian and the, and the German sleeve that, uh, I look for it. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Frankie. All right, daddy. Take care. Thanks again, Frankie, and thanks everybody for listening. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Frankie and that the Miami Marathon is now a race that is on your bucket list because the vibe that you'll get when there is truly amazing. It's a one-of-a-lifetime event. So again, I'm going to link the Miami Marathon in our podcast notes, and you can contact Frankie and email them if you have any further questions. Tune in again tomorrow for our regular episodes. And until then, thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.